celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Andre also he excels in all his endeavours, as demonstrated in his roles both as head boy and ducks in his final year of high school, and being a member of the Youth Press Gallery and the United Nations Youth in NZ Aotearoa, which I know there's even more to talk about there. Before heading to Yale in fall of 2023, where he was awarded full admission and scholarship, he is currently studying or is finishing up his first semester at AUT, where he's upskilling in communication, news reading and producing on New Zealand's largest student-led radio station. Andre advocates for the growth of Pacifica presence and representation in New Zealand media. And from what I've read, he has ambitions to make his own impact now and in the future. We are just seeing the beginning of your journey, and it's really such a pleasure to sit down with you before the chaos that is going to grow from your life. How and where are you today? How and where am I? I think the how was just a lot of dedication and hard work, but also self-exploration throughout my time at high school, especially. Where I am now is, I I honestly don't know. I'm I'm in a very, very interesting, pivotal moment in my life because I feel like I'm at the end of one journey, but also still in the middle of it and also getting ready to, to start this new and amazing journey in the United States. And, you know, it's just really exciting and has been some has been a lot to process, but it's something that, you know, I've I know I've wanted from the moment that I set that I set my eyes on it and wanted to try and get it. I know that you start at AUT where you also got a scholarship, congrats, and you don't find out that you've got Yale until a little bit later, right? How did you go into AUT knowing that that was still a possibility? Well, AUT was always my backup. And so I dedicated myself and focus in my studies just as if I was going to stay there to complete my, my double major, which would have been four years as hard as it was, and my friends and family will will attest to this, they know that like every week I just feel like, oh Lord, you know, this is stressing me out. Every week as it got closer and closer to the end of March when I would find out about my applications, I was just, you know, oh my gosh, this is, you know, what what if what if I get in, you know, I think there was more there was also like that fear of of acceptance, but also denial, because I think I would have been perfectly happy going to AUT and I would re- and I realized that but obviously there is that level of denial and that would have that would have somewhat affected me because the the journey and the process to applying to the US is actually quite comprehensive as well and it's a journey in itself. I was just all over the place to be fair uh, for the first 3 months of the year and it got a bit more interesting in the final 2 weeks before I found out because I actually got offered a job to be a journalist. So I had to decide whether I was going to drop out of AUT and accept this job to give a bit of background it's called the Tiddito Journalism Project only 15 spots are appointed to young journal aspiring journalists throughout the country and it's a partnership between you know the New Zealand Herald News Hub and a couple other news organizations so it is quite a big hefty thing and it's one year full-time paid uh, and you get a job out of it at the end of it. And I was like, you know, this is this is basically just a jump to the front line, basically, because that means I don't have to do my degree at AUT. I got sent the contract, I think, about 15 minutes before I got accepted into Yale. It was very, very interesting and chaotic, too. And I just remember 
also with in terms of like my extracurricular activities too i had united nations youth that i was dedicating myself to quite a lot i think there are a lot of i, don't know, I won't call them distractions but tasks and just uh, endeavors that i continue to set myself on just so that i didn't lose sight and clarity but also remain somewhat stable and grounded throughout the whole process because there was just quite a lot so much has happened between like December yeah. of last year to now. So impressive. I think you hopefully can acknowledge how impressive you are and the fact that you had those options. I believe that AUT, I also did a little bit of communication before I took my opportunity. Yeah. The style of the teaching in the classrooms, it'll never not be valuable because of the friendships yeah. you've made that so hands-on. So I think it's like even doing a semester, is a lot of value can be taken away from that. And, I, and I'll be, I think I'll be a lot more prepared than a lot of the other students at, at Yale, which is good. And also, I, you know, like you said, the people, the people that I've interacted with are great. I've made some really, really solid friendships already, already gone out partying and gone out to dinner with some of them and spent time outside of classes studying with some of the other ones. So it's, it's just, it's great. And I think, just as much as the academic content, I think just the connection, but also the structure that I've been able to maintain throughout this pivotal point in my life has just kind of kept me going because there's, the, I don't think, you know, I, I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going, keep growing, keep connecting and just, yeah, retain that structure and, and preparation for, for August. There's no limit to how many connections you can make. Clearly, you've already demonstrated that. You're just going to have to have an even better memory because now you're going to have yeah. a growing list of, of people. And that gets me to my first question. How would your friends and family describe you? Uh, they probably describe me as kind, passionate, driven, <clears throat> uh, smart, um, good at arguments, but also sometimes hard to get the point across i've also been told that i'm the dumbest smart person that people have met which is great too um but you know like i'm yeah i'm fun um i'm open i'm um empathetic i'm an empath just by nature and by heart um and i'm caring um uh, i think those are some of the key things that they would say about me but the notable one is the dumbest smartest person that they've ever met because I can do some pretty, pretty silly things and say some pretty silly things, um, despite the fact of some of my achievements. But at least I'm aware of it. And I'm not ashamed of it because, you know, I think we all have our little individual things that stand out about them. Yes. What, if you can, what's an example of like something classic you would do that's the dumbest smart person thing? Um, oh, it'd be like like my English gets all jumbled sometimes and I'll I'll say like some really dumb I'll say some really stupid sentences and I won't realize until after I've said it and then my friends look at me and like hey what did you just say or um what else even I mean my mum and I have a really banterish relationship and I'll do like household chores and I didn't separate the coloring and the washing I think oh and you know it's quite kind of common sense it's common sense, especially if you're my mum, it's, it's common sense because she's just very onto it with, with everything. Um, but, you know, she's like, you know what? You're just, you're an interesting character. You're the dumbest, smartest person I know, which is great. 
That is yeah. great. I think too, your mom featured in the TikTok video yep. that went viral. And I know you've spoken to this before, but for anyone listening who hasn't or isn't aware of it, can you just talk us through or the idea to even film it? Like what happened and then what was the response from the TikTok video? So the whole idea to film it was, you know, I've, I've seen YouTube videos of college decision outcomes and they can go one of two ways really. But I kind of wanted to just do one and see how it went. This was 12 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I didn't have uni because I only have classes Monday and Tuesday. You know, that whole morning I was kind of in just a bit of a mess. Like, and the original video itself is like 10 minutes long because we go through all the decisions of all the colleges I applied to. But I always think I was asked by one of my friends or my one of my friends said to me, they're like, oh, you should film it. You should film your reaction to, to the outcomes. I was like, okay, you know what? I will. I like the context behind it was I just couldn't sit around and wait for one o'clock to come around. So I went up the road and bought myself lunch and I took as long as possible to go and buy my food and come back home so that by the time I got back, one o'clock would hit. So I, I like went up to my local takeaway, got like chicken and potatoes, came home as slow as possible, parked the car up, came inside. And I just chucked the food on the table and then went upstairs and started filming. So the video starts with just me walking up the stairs, putting my putting my phone on my desk and just starting to go through. I was actually having a lot of difficulty loading all the all the application portals because I think, you know, tens of thousands of people are trying to access the site at the same time. Um, and obviously only a small percentage of all those people that are accessing the site actually get the message that I'm guessing a lot of them hope for. In the application portal for Yale, when you get accepted, there's actually a YouTube video that pops up that plays a song and like bulldogs are like waving on the screen and stuff. But that didn't load because I think so many people just connection difficulty. So I closed that window and I, I read the letter and it said, Dear Andre, welcome to Yale College. And that was when I just absolutely, you know, started screaming, stood up in my chair and like looked at my mum and we just both started yelling and screaming and rogues getting all excited as well. But yeah, it was just utter and total shock in that moment. And honestly, going back to it, I think it was su it's such a blur now because it was just such a an awing moment. But every time I watch the video, I just can't stop smiling at both my reaction, my mum's reaction, and both Ro and Rio and Rogue's reaction as well. And so yeah, it's, it was great. I think every time you watch it, you can look at like a different your mom or the dog yeah. or you like you you dart around and thank you it's a genius idea to have filmed it and like you said the moment became a blur but you have that now like forever yeah. and yeah and inevitably when you have tough times when you're over there you can almost watch that as a reminder of like no this yeah. is how exciting it is like it, it can serve as a yeah. as a starting point I love that and the next question I had was to ask you about what the years looked like for you. I feel like we've gone through that, but was there anything you wanted to add about just kind of what this last year in general has looked like? Definitely this past year has been the most nonstop. Um, you know, I think because I, I actually started, I think like the key message I want to get that I wanted people to get out of my story was I hope they don't take no for an answer within their lives because you know, I, I don't come from a wealthy background um, and like, I mean, I'm not as well resourced as, as other people, 
And so, you know, the, the, the thought of me getting into an Ivy League without any form of scholarship funding, it's just impossible without, you know, accruing student loans, but you know, who wants to go down that route? So I, I wanted admission support to, you know, make sure my application, like, so I could understand the application process because up until like August last year, I was like, you know, this is so complicated. This is impossible. I just don't think I'm going to do it. Um, but I got a hold of Crimson Education and I booked just like a one hour phone call consultation with them to just kind of see what it was all about. Um, and this was on like a day where I didn't have school. So I kind of just spent the day doing a bit of research and calling them. And I had a phone call with them and spoke to them. And one of the first questions they asked was, oh, how are you going to pay? I was like, well, you know, my mum's on ACC. My mum's on ACC. Um, and my dad is a roofer um, who's just starting out in contracting. So money isn't, you know, in great supply um, and not readily available. And they're like, well, that would, that would be something that we'd have to consider whether we were going to bring you on a, pro a support program, admission support program. So I was like, look, you know, if you look at my academics up until that point, because I was, you know, I, I was the top scholar in year 12, top Pacific scholar for all the NCA years up until that point as well. And I already had a pretty solid, solid extracurricular profile. And so they're like, well, we don't really need to work on your academics or your extracurriculars because they're already quite solid. And, you know, I'm really grateful and really proud of myself that I was able to build that profile throughout high school because I think it did benefit me within this process. They were like, okay, well, we'll talk with our manager and see see what happens. So they went they went back, spoke to their management, and I had a had a consultation with their regional manager for Australia and New Zealand. And after she met with me and my mum, she was like, okay, well, well, we'll try to come up with something. So I managed to get a little scholarship package from Crimson, and they gave me some admission support from like August to the day I submitted my application, which was great. Um, and I'm really grateful for the support that they provided. And yeah, I think that process, the application process, because I mean, I said just before, it's a journey in itself. Understanding the essay process, because I had to write 23 renditions of essays for the six schools that I applied to. 23 essays, also the scholarship applications as well, and also the applications to the schools, plus school, being head boy, having my extracurricular activities, NCEA as well. And I was also sitting NCA scholarship exams. And then also coming up to the end of the year, I got a job at Hallenstone. So I was working retail. It was definitely a lot, like a lot on my plate. And I definitely don't encourage people to, to have as much on my plate as I did. I definitely think in terms of like just my overall health at some points, it, it wasn't the best. But um, I think because I had like quite a supportive group of people, um, I was able to keep going. And obviously... The end of high school year 13 is quite a quite a memorable time so I also tried my best to make the most of of that period of my life too by you know going to all the lever celebrations and you know as head boy you're kind of expected to kind of be at the spearhead of, of all those celebrations so you know I was kind of just living up to that as well the past year has just been a very very interesting interesting time and non-stop uh, is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of it you know even even at uni, I was like, oh, I'm just going to focus on my studies. But, you know, here I am working at the radio station and I have a job and I do work with, you know, United Nations Youth and um, a couple other initiatives on the side. I do work with NetSafe and, you know, uh, Pacific 
leader leadership programs and yeah it's just, it's just i i want to just get myself involved in everything and continue growing and growth is growth is another thing i think that's happened quite a lot over the past year too i'm almost at a loss for words because it, it is remarkable and even just hearing you like it sounds like those are energy giving things like i'm almost like could you if you had nothing on your plate would you be losing it a little bit like do you need to keep busy yeah yeah I think at this point yes um like even my mum she's like you know oh you you always find something to do in a day don't you I'm like yeah I do like even even if I'm at home it's um if I'm not like because I do value rest too if I'm not sleeping and eating on the couch and watching Netflix it's um I've got to study or I'm going to go clean my car or go for a run or take the dog for a walk or um I feel like just if I don't if I don't do something in a day whatever it is um I guess it's just that element of oh, I've wasted I've wasted you know this valuable time that I could use doing something else and so like you know I don't regret uh being active and doing all sorts of things because at the end of the day you know when I when I lay my head on the pillow and I go over what I've done you know I'm just very happy and and very fulfilled and I think fulfillment is something that I do get from all the things I do as well I love to hear that and I just know you're going to capitalize on there'll be so many opportunities for you when you're at Yale and you yeah. are like I'll touch base with you when you come here but yeah, imagine sure, like, sure. seriously like in a year I'll be like, oh, what are you up to now? And you'll be like, oh, I am leading this blah, blah, blah. Like, that's yeah, just yeah. going to follow you. And so it's... Well, I mean, if you want to do a yearly catch-up, like... A hundred percent. I'm writing it down because that's the sort of thing is like, you already know where you're excelling. You know things that you're passionate about. You're going to continue to be exposed. If you're in New Zealand, the same thing, like with the radio station, you don't even know what you don't know yet, which is what's so... <laughs> exciting about it um and okay I'm gonna pivot a little bit because I could go down that hole but you've mentioned a lot obviously this pursuing the media career and as a member of the youth so you were the youth press gallery you had to take on the role of independent media reporting on youth MPs and youth parliament that was 2022 and then in 2023 not only you're doing the news reading you're doing the stuff with the radio station I know you're doing stuff with the Youth United Nations as well. What about, like, what is it about the media and the role of reporter journalism that draws you in? I think um, just the idea of being a beacon to convey messages and to be the voice of the people. Just from, from from my time at high school, I came to understand that, you know, the media is just this very powerful entity and if you're in it with the right intention you can use the power that is given to you to amplify a narrative which otherwise wouldn't be on the scene and I think that's where my position is within the media because I would like to report on things that aren't generally reported on like you know I guess an example of it would just be at the radio station yesterday I published a report in an interview um, in regards to a youth mental health report which also cited and just mentioned the fact that ethnic and minority communities in Aotearoa are some of the most at risk among youth during their, this time in, in their lives because the mental health system is not adequate 
adequately equipped to support them and also a lot of young people don't feel like they get what they what they need from the mental health system and i've not seen it anywhere in the mainstream media yet and you know i haven't seen it on the six o'clock news and i haven't seen it at the midday news and i haven't seen it pop up on my notification center but you know within my position i would just like to try my best in order to report that story and get messages like that out because i think you know they represent they represent me as as a pacific young person but also um the people that are behind me because you know i i know that so many people you know advocate for what i do in my endeavors but also they look up to me and so you know as a journalist as a reporter being able to to pursue a narrative which isn't exposed or quite widely reported is something that I want to do and hopefully within a mainstream position try and pursue those underreported narratives and just bring them into the mainstream and make sure that everyone is aware of them and everyone knows what what is going on and what just what people need to know because I think that's absolutely crucial and you know in in terms of the media I'm always about neutrality and partiality just being being the best form of journalist I'm not all for, you know, left wing, right wing conversation. I just want to get the facts out and get the story out and do it in the best way possible and just make sure that as many people are aware of it as can be. And also for me, I'm a people person, so I'm very passionate about connecting with people, learning more about people, also traveling and just going around and experiencing new places and new things. And journalism is one of those industries where you can do that as a job because there is no one day where you're sitting in the office and you're scrolling trying to pursue stories you have to contact someone give them a call give them a text go somewhere or bring them bring them into your studio and interview them and produce something which people can consume and 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 utilize for for their own personal knowledge and you know even at my experience at the radio station i think I, i've realized that creating things that people can use is is something that i that i quite enjoy and it's really good to look at you know my podcasted radio shows and be like yeah you know i i produce this this is something that i can look back on and that other people can look back on and just look at the content and consume it and learn about you know what topics are being covered um, which is really exciting and it's just one little reason why i want to get into the industry yes and i think so many things there like initially I'm like oh why doesn't he get into your ample as like a politician right like an up-and-comer yep. but it sounds like that's almost just too limiting like it's so focused and stationary and a lot of respect for those people who want to pursue it but is yep. it right in saying like you want to get amongst that you want to search out stories but also tell them portray them like there's an excitement I'm also passionate like I think journalism would be incredible and that's why with yep. this podcast like having conversations with people it energizes me and it kind of sounds like it's the same for you yeah absolutely and you know I've, I've always been asked whether I would get into politics and I honestly don't know but in terms of my career now I don't think so um, I look at I look at politicians and you know I think the the scrutiny that they get but also I think just the amount of pressure um, and like you said it is limiting just in terms of, of scope but also where you can go 
but obviously no no shade to any people that want to pursue it because i think you know we do need we do need young politicians and i do know quite a few that i think will do absolutely amazing and i do see them in parliament at some point and i know that i'm going to have that connection with them which is great journalism is where it's at i i like to people have said do you want to be amongst it or do you want to be on the sidelines i said well in terms of being amongst it or on the sidelines journalism is being amongst it but i guess in terms of politics versus journalism i'd like to be on the sidelines just calling out the things that need to be called out because you know in new zealand and you know around the world especially in western societies the the media is the fourth estate of power and, and government and so holding people holding people to account is something that I also want to do, especially if I were to do political reporting and investigatory reporting. I think holding people to account to communities that that need that clarity from people in power is something that I want to do as well within my reporting. And whether that be here in New Zealand or in the United States, because I do see ABC myself being in the United States, I just know that that's something I want to do. And I'm really fortunate that Yale has one of the most you know reputable journalism programs they have something called the yale journalism initiative which is is funded by some of the biggest organizations uh, media organizations and they have all those connections which i'm looking forward to utilizing and my admissions officer the, the woman who assessed my application at yale and actually admitted me on the council she wrote me a personal note in my acceptance letter saying oh i really look forward to seeing you contribute to all the Yale publications, including the Yale Daily News and being a Yale Journalism Initiative Scholar. And I was like, oh, that's great because that's exactly what I want to do. That is huge. That's so encouraging. Yeah. yeah, and I love what you said about, like, do you want to be amongst it on the sidelines? I think journalism is being in it and at the same time being able to like see the forest for the trees. Like, yeah, being yeah. in it, but being able to have commentary that's like, it's the functional truth there is so much media to consume everywhere but in america in particular there's a lot there's a lot of media so you're going to be able to really exercise and practice your ability to like essentially cut through the bull the bullshit of it and find the truth oh exciting i am also wanted to ask about how important advocacy is for you i know you're very proud Tongan Pacifica heritage. How important is it for you to be an advocate in the space? I think it's vital because I think just especially within, you know, my community, they need it. Um, I think our young people need need someone to look up to because I know that there are other people like me that have that drive and that passion and that potential that goes unharnessed when they're young because that was exactly me. I I was unharnessed when I was an intermediate in my early time at high school. And it wasn't until the later, the later periods that I actually started to grow. And so I really want to make sure that I'm that example for, for young people that are in similar positions or in, in similar life experiences to me. And through advocacy, I think it's just a very, very powerful tool to just like journalism, empower people, give them knowledge and also better the future. And I think advocacy is sort of an extension of my passion for journalism because it also enables me to continue doing things that I enjoy because, you know, it's it's like, you know, I, I can involve myself in different initiatives and organisations, which I choose to. 
and so definitely the the like the constant among the advocacy that I do is for young people for youth within different issues that they may experience but also within their personal growth and that's kind of where like you know my volunteering with United Nations youth and I'm doing a I'm helping develop a leadership program with a group of other young Pacific leaders in university they were all head students last year and we're all coming together this year as university students to develop a a, a leadership program um, and leadership modules for Pacific head students that are in high school now and in the future. And I also continue to do work with NetSafe, uh, promoting online safety. It's great. Even at BFM, being able to, to report as well, I think is quite a big thing. And BFM is is actually quite a big part of what I do at the moment because um, it does it does take up a lot of my time and is a big commitment. But I think I do get a lot of out. I, I do get a lot out of it, and I think I love just the community around the station as well. It's just it's great. Made it met quite a few great people, and had quite a few great experiences. And honestly, at this point, I feel like if I were to go into like Flavor or My FM or something, and they asked, "Oh, do you know how to do this?" Or something, yep, yep, you know, because all the all the technical skills are there. And that's the other thing as well. I think experience. And growth through experiences is something that I I seek within all, whether it be my advocacy and and other activities or working at a radio station or even just in my day to day life, you know, working at Helen Stein's or being with my friends, yeah, whatever. Uh, you keep blowing me away, seriously. Um, so another interview of you online, right? News Hub interviewed you about the rollout and awareness of the educational module you touched upon, yep. um, NetSafe, aimed at helping young Kiwis with social media's negative impacts, false standards, filters, misrepresentation. It's a huge and dangerously growing like topic. And observing social media, like, what do you believe are the strengths, like the good and the bad of it? Uh, I think that's quite a loaded question because I think <laughs> you ask if you ask like a different person, they come up with a completely different answer just based off of their experience. Um, but I think from my experience, social media is just a great tool to connect with people. And in terms of advocacy and journalism, it's an awesome tool to utilize to connect with people and also send messages out. And I, you know, interact with it on my day to day to message people and post. And obviously, I think there are those inherent risks of being addicted to it because I, I know it's heavily addictive and kind of being sucked into the sphere where being in a social media landscape and worrying about likes and follows determines your self-worth. Because, um, you know, I've emphasized to so many other people that the amount of followers and the amount of likes you get doesn't define you as a person. It doesn't define how much you're worth. It doesn't define your potential. I didn't have much of a social media following until I got Except, yeah, I mean, my, I mean, my social media following has grown, but it's still negligible. But you know, I think I've definitely gotten a notable, a lot more, a notable amount of more additional attention as a result of just what I've been up to over the over the past few months. And you know, I think the thing that's kind of been at the front of my mind is just don't change, don't get wound up in it. And I think. On the most part, I've asked other people, I've like, have I changed? And people are like, no, 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 you're still the same. I'm like, great, because that's exactly how I want to be. I just want to be the same. Um, and I don't want to get all wrapped up in it. So, yeah, I think just acknowledging the fact that social media is very addictive and, you know, and, and the whole point of 
that interview as well and the education module that NetSafe released last year was the fact that, you know, social media can have just a very, very uh, negative effect on our minds and how we perceive ourselves. And, you know, I think I, I've been a victim to that too. Um, and I mentioned that in, in the in the news hub interview as well somewhat where, you know, it, it constantly bombards you with idealistic ideas and just um, characteristics of, of, a per, of, of oneself and, you know, encourages you or pressures you to, um, to apply those idealistic values or traits or characteristics to yourself in order to get wider social acceptance, which I think is extremely unhealthy, especially when, you know, you're scrolling through social media and you see, you know, makeup ads or food ads or cologne ads or product ads or clothing ads and all you see are just, you know, young toned people on advertisements promoting all sorts of products or even just on their social media. And I think, you know, people also forget that social media is, it's curated, it's a curated experience all the way from the algorithm to what you post people censor themselves in terms of what messages they put about themselves and what things about themselves they put on social media. I'm the same. Um, you know, I think, you know, my, so like my, my social media life is just a glimpse into my wider social sphere, but just who I am as a person. And I think, you know, social media is where people post their highlights within their life. You're not going to, not many people are open to just post, oh, you know, I'm feeling absolutely shit today. You know, this is just what I've been, this is what I've been doing, you know. And so it, it's the curated experience that I think people forget social media is, which, you know, it just reveals the best parts of other people's lives. And I think people ignore, forget that, not ignore it, but forget that besides these moments of people, you know, going and having expensive lunches with their friends or going to all these nice and fancy places and you wishing you that you, that you could do the same, that these people are also human. They, nobody's perfect. And at some point in their life, they're going to have some form of hardship or some form of, of um, difficulty or just personal, personal aspects of themselves that just aren't in the limelight, that aren't seen. And that's the choice of the person that decides to post that narrative about themselves. But yeah, social media is just this powerful and polarized tool. And I think also just within journalism as well, it's, it's a, it's a polarized landscape where there's just so many different narratives and it's all, it's all interactive based. It's all based off of algorithms and it's just, it's so interesting. And I've kind of been delving into it as a part of my degree at AUT. And it's just, it's so nuanced and layered and just so interesting and complex. And there is no one single definition for what social media is or what the issues of it are, what the good things are about it. But yeah, I guess that's just my take on it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And from the journalism side of things or the media, there's so many more mediums, like journalism has been a thing forever. It's yeah. TV, print, radio, like all those other things. And now we yeah. have social media. So that's yeah. where it's a, benefit I think of coming up when we are because we're so integrated with it that it just makes sense because it's just a thing that's always been there and in yep. terms of social media like I'm grateful for it in the sense that's connected me to you right and yep. we can have this dialogue yep. and that's awesome but then yep. also 
like even the video of you going viral right like in that video there should there's no disclaimer of like I have spent hours and hours doing applications yeah I applied for 10 others that didn't work um I was stressed all morning I couldn't do anything like yeah I guess the point is if I were to post the whole 10 minute video who would watch it yeah yeah um but also I also just wanted, you know, within my experience, I just wanted to share and get it out, you know, just this exciting news. And, you know, I think it's, it is something that ought to be celebrated when something like that happens, especially, you know, as someone from my community and my background, I think it was just great for other people to see it. And, you know, I'm grateful for all the congratulations that I got um, from everyone, but also, you know, I've, ha- I've gotten messages from parents, but also kids saying that I've been an inspiration for them. And that's probably the most like gratifying and humbling thing is just being an inspiration for other people. That part there feeds right into the overarching like thread question I have with everyone is regarding tall poppy syndrome, right? So there's no right or wrong answer. What is tall poppy syndrome in your own words? And do you have any personal experience with it? I think... Tall poppy syndrome is a set of social structures deeply embedded just within our social spheres that aims to suppress people for the purpose of social, wider social acceptance. And I think a lot of people are, are kind of feel somewhat obliged to suppress themselves and um, tarnish their shine for the for the purpose of being accepted within social circles, which they which they want to be accepted within to be accepted by people but also to not seem out there and I think you know I've always been told you know stick to your roots remain humble be humble don't don't lose sight of your why don't lose your why remain grounded and it's like so many people I think you know my personal experience now is you know in the beginning and and in primary school and intermediate I was always a bright and inquisitive child. At six years old, I could tell you how a combustion engine worked. I was talking to my uncle about supercars and about modifications and about airplanes as well. By the time I was eight or nine, I could look look up in the sky and immediately tell you just by, by the belly of the plane what type of aircraft it was. But then again, you know, I did I did pretty average in school from primary and intermediate, and I think that was just because I wasn't harnessed, but also I was kind of in that that sphere of social exclusion, but also bullying in primary school and intermediate because I wasn't accepted just for who I was and what I had to give. And, you know, I'm really grateful for my mum because, you know, she would always, she always told me in the earlier years that my time would come when I would shine and that, you know, that, you know, that uh, there's like this, uh, there's this Jessie J lyric um, in one of her songs. And it's like, those that, those that matter, oh, those that don't matter do mind and those that do matter don't mind. It's one of her songs. I, I just can't remember, but my mum would always tell me that because, you know, and I think it's it's always stood out because, you know, people people who have their own inner insecurity or their own personal struggle will often look outwards instead of inwards in order to to try and find their own personal resolve. And I think, you know, in primary and intermediate, very complex time for a lot of young people at that point and obviously I think just the school culture within Aotearoa 
I don't know whether it's changed, but the bullying and just the exclusion during my time in primary and intermediate was quite strong. And uh, intermediate particularly was quite a dark time. Like I always, my anecdote or just my, for, for where I've gone or how I've grown is that in, in year eight, my attendance rate at intermediate was 43% because I just hated school. And I hated being in that environment because I didn't feel valued and I didn't feel accepted and I didn't feel like I belonged. So I felt more comfortable being at home rather than at school. And I guess the, the, the also the other thing about it too is I wanted to still do well. I didn't get, you know, amazing grades, but I still did above average despite the fact my attendance rate was 43%. I passed everything. And I think when I read that, last report at year eight and I saw my attendance rate was 43% but I still did pretty well I was like you know if I attended school more and applied myself the same I could do a lot lot better but yeah I think you know going back to tall poppy syndrome my personal experiences have been quite early and they still do continue although I think I'm quite fortunate within my social circles that I am surrounded by people that do encourage my growth and my progress. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And I think that's something that comes with, with just growing and finding your place. And so I'm absolutely grateful for the people that I have around me. But, you know, within, within other environments that I go in, I think tall poppy syndrome is still something that's quite existent because even within Pacific culture, it's always like, you know, being humble, being quiet, being respectful. And I think there isn't as much gratitude that as as there should be for the person that's willing to say what other people won't say within certain spaces I do just want to touch on if you're comfortable you go from 43 percent attendance in year eight to being on a path of duck's head boy like what happens between year eight and year nine I think also within my life at the time like year eight and year seven was a really interesting time too because like my mum and dad were going through like their their own like relationship strife I guess like they're in the, the process of getting a divorce and my dad was moving out of the house and so I think there was like the whole like complex side of of just my at-home life which wasn't supporting my school life and so I wasn't getting the support at school either so just by default, I felt more comfortable at home. And I think after year eight and going into year nine was almost like a recovery, recovery phase. And it was just a really, really good time for me to just kind of get back, get back to it and just recover. When I got notice of just like the, the groups, the extracurricular groups at school that were available, I was like, hmm, might give this a go and just see. And no, by next thing you know, I'm like, going into these UNICEF and animal rights and environment committee and cultural committee meetings and you know it's from that point that actually people notice that you are quite out there and, and involved and so in year nine the head boy at the time approached me and was like oh hey man we noticed you didn't apply for the student council this year and I was like yeah no nah, I thought it would be a bit much I didn't, and I didn't think I'd get it he was like well you know what here just just take this application form and fill it in and just give it to me and We'll, we'll sort something out. I was like, okay, sweet. And so, you know, I, I got into the student council. I think that was when that click happened. And, you know, on top of that, continued pursuing my academics. I got my attendance in year nine was like 95%. So it was pretty good. 
I got top of my class in year nine, year 10, got top civic scholar in year 11. The, the, the feel good of just feeling good from the wins and those little moments, like the getting the award at, at the award ceremony at the end of the year is, is like a small little burst of, you know, endorphins of just feeling great. But I think it's when I look back and I acknowledge just the journey and growth alongside, along that journey to getting that award, I was like, you know what? I'm doing it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in year 10 and I'm going to do it in year 11 and then I'm going to do it in year 12. And you know what? I'm going to try to be head boy. You know, it wasn't really like I did anything at school in the hope to be head boy. It wasn't like I had like, oh yeah, I'm doing this because it's going to look so good when I want to be head boy. It was like, because the, the whole conversation about me being head boy didn't really come about until year 12, which is around the time which they start considering. And I I put my name down for it, obviously. And, you know, then then it happened and I was like, okay, well, this is it. And this is, this is what I was destined to do from the start. All very grateful I as much as as you know primary school and intermediate was a very very complicated time in my life I think it did shape me it's always past experiences that shape how a person is today and I think you know quite largely that has shaped where I am now and has shaped the drive that I have but also you know like I said the people around me as well the 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 note the network of people that I've grown also my mum forever grateful for her and for just what she's done for me. This is, hold on, I'm just show, this is my Mother's Day gift to my mum. It's a Photoshop photo. It's me and four different like poses on the couch all stitched together. So for Mother's Day last week, I was like, okay, you know what, I'll get it professionally framed for you. Um, it's just, and, and it, you know, people, are, I've asked her it's a weird gift to give your mum a photo of you, but I think in this context, I think, it, I don't know, I, it was just nice. And she liked it, so yes. it was, it's great. Thank you for sharing that, because not only is it very good, like it's a clean, I hope you got a good mark on that. Looking ahead to the fall, what is, and there's not just going to be one, but what is the most exciting part about your upcoming chapter? I think the environment. The environment is just something that I'm really looking forward to. I, you know, I've been told that, or I've just been seeing people say that Yale is, is the most beautiful Ivy League out of all of them, but also just one of the most beautiful schools on the East Coast, besides Stanford on the West Coast, because I know Stanford's quite beautiful. The physical environment, the academic environment, the social environment, and that kind of overlaps into the other things that I'm really look, looking forward to experiencing. But also, New York has always been my dream city. I did Outward Bound at the beginning of last year. Uh, which is a great experience. Uh, you know what Outward Bounders, eh? Yeah, I actually, um, sidebar, I just ran the London Marathon and that was the charity I ran for, was Outward Bound, but the mm -hmm. UK one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Epo. so I did, I did Outward Bound. I was sitting in, as a part of the experience, you, you get put in the bush for three days by yourself. It's called the solo. And on my solo, I did a lot of personal reflection and self-reflection. I wrote somewhere in my diary that in the next few years, I see myself in New York City. I didn't realize how soon that would be. And, you know, I, I said to my mum too, I was like, you know, by the time I'm, you know, this age or at, at some point in the near future, I will be in, in New York because it's always been where I wanted to be and it's always been where I wanted to experience. And, you know, I think just the fact that I'm, I'm going there and I've made it, it's just that this is just the whole story of I've made it because it's like I had my mind to it. I went on the process, I did the journey, and now I've made it. There's obviously a few steps just before I do make it, but 
I think in terms of just how far away it is, I think it's in pretty plain sight right now. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's just, it's crazy. You know, even when I say to my friends, 18 years old from West Auckland, going to New York City and then going to an Ivy League is, it's just, it's. I can imagine you feel like you've already hit the ceiling on what's like possible, but you haven't. Like, it seems like we pivot from such serious chat to this, but yeah. if you could have just one meal, in fact, in this hypothetical, you have to have one meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner for the rest of your life what is it going to be? It'd have to be either Wendy's or KFC. Under that hypothetical, then will I get fat if I keep eating that, that <laughs> meal? No. Because if it is, okay, fine. KFC, done, 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 done. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.